Hello and welcome to Mirror Talk. We have moments where we just have to pause. Just pause and take a break and reflect on life. Remember, you are strong, you are enough, you are capable, you are blessed and you are loved. Your moment of greatness starts now. Jordan Brown is a mental health advocate, a writer, and entrepreneur. He's been blogging and tweeting to make mental health more accessible and meaningful since 2016. Formally trained as a social worker, Jordan considers his mental health struggle and open heart surgery the greatest, most life-affirming lessons of all. You can connect with him on Twitter at jpbrown5 or through his weekly mental health email newsletter, The Mental Health Update at newsletter.thementalhealthupdate.com He is blessed with a lovely wife and cat. His book, In Search of Happiness, Healing Through Mental Health and Poetry, can be found on Amazon in paperback and ebook version. Jordan Brown, it is great to have you here. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, on your show. I'm really excited uh, to talk with you. I'm so excited about everything I'm going to learn from you today already. Um, first of all, from, from your blog, the mentalhealthupdates.com, I learned that you got into the mental health field because of the crisis your mother experienced. Um, would you love to tell me about this experience? Yeah, I, I definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it to the shorter version because there were there were some scary things that happened along the way and uh, it, it built up over a period of years. But I think what first did make me, I guess the start of it all. At the time, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to become a mental health advocate, a social worker, all yeah. that. I was just trying to help my mom. Um, I was, uh, it was 2007 when it started, I would say, uh, and often mental health issues do start with some kind of crisis. My mom lost her mother, my grandmother, who she was very close with. They had talked uh, all the time. And uh, my grandmother just suddenly died one day. And we think it was the, the same, she had the same heart issue that I have. I actually had open heart surgery uh, in 2012 to replace my aortic valve. But my mom lost her mom. And then her her dad, who was not the healthiest person, he, he dealt with bipolar disorder. He basically, after that, would just drank himself to death. So it was a bad few years. And my mom really, we know now, stopped sleeping. And it got so bad to the point where she essentially had a psychotic break is what I think it was. It, it wasn't uh, late onset bipolar like like some of the doctors thought. Um, it, it was probably lack of sleep that led to just a psychotic episode. And so she uh, was in a really bad shape. And I was the one that eventually made the decision to have her go to the hospital and basically forced her to go to the hospital because it was so bad. And she was doing things that were not, were not her, uh, something was not, not right. Yeah. And so I felt very guilty in that time. This was in 2009 when that happened, um, but absolutely it was the best decision. And, and I think just the feeling so unprepared and feeling like I hadn't learned about mental health issues or really got good mental health education in, in school. Mm -hmm. um, I had, at that point when I got her into the hospital, I was just out of, uh, college, and I think I was home right before I went into the Peace Corps, which is uh, like a two-year service term here for uh, people, for Americans going to other countries to, to, to volunteer for two years. Uh, so I was fortunately home and uh, just was the the person who made the tough call there. And, and, it, and it really did start with 
caring about my mom and hoping someone would do the same thing for me if I were in that situation. Yeah. Um, you mentioned of you being um, guilty. You felt guilty because you are unprepared or why were you feeling guilty? I felt guilty because it, it, it's not easy. If you've ever dealt with someone, and now that I'm a, a social worker and I've worked in the mental health field, it, the first time that you're dealing with someone who's having serious mental health issues, especially if they're related to you, and this is my mom, mm. someone who cared for me my whole life, and now I was kind of forced into this parent role uh, over a course of months where, where some strange things were happening. Yeah. I felt guilty because... I basically had to uh, be the one to say, no, you need to be in the hospital. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, my dad and my sister um, just weren't making those decisions. And so we, we, we got to the hospital uh, the night of actually Thanksgiving. And so it's just strange holiday of all times. Uh, and she, even after all the tests, they weren't going to admit her. And, and I said, well, something's seriously wrong. She, this is not her. And and in New York State, they, if she's not being a danger to herself, they wouldn't admit her. And and I basically had to talk with a social worker and doctor and said like, how how can we get her the support? She actually she really needs to be here. And they said, well, if she's a danger to herself, and I had to share some stories where she was a danger and she almost got us into car accidents and some things that happened. And and so she was not in her right mind at that time. She was delusional. And she said, why would you do this to your your mom? Like, why would you do this? Do you know what they do to people here? And she just wasn't thinking straight. And um, it, after the fact, I mean, she she really appreciated it when she got on the right medicine and was stabilized again and sleeping. Yeah. But I felt horrible not knowing if that was the right move. Like, if you can imagine at the time when it was, she was there for about a week thinking, did I do the right thing? That's, that's why I felt so guilty. Yeah, I understand. So you, you went through the same experience through this mental health crisis. You had this open heart surgery in 2012, right? So right, 2012. Yep. Yes. So can you talk to me about the um, the emotional recovery from this surgery and how did it change you? It, it, it's, it's it's still I think changing me in ways, but I, I'm hopefully past it. The so you open heart surgery, you think okay, that's a big deal. Everyone talks to you about the physical recovery. I literally they had to. Uh, you know, cut open my chest. I have wires in my chest still. So you're thinking about that, but I'm, I've always been healthy. I was an athlete. So th the physical recovery wasn't so bad, but I just started to have just some serious mental health issues. I, I've always had anxiety. I remember being a kid. I've always had like OCD symptoms and, and especially intrusive thoughts as a kid. Um, but I had never had depression and apparently it's quite common whether you look at like Western medicine or Eastern medicine, when something happens to your heart, it's quite common to have issues with depression. But it, it wasn't just that. It, it made me feel really ashamed of myself and thinking I was a terrible person. Um, I was just super anxious. And and um, also with the OCD behaviors, like ch checking my skin and picking at my skin, that kind of thing, and thinking like there were just blemishes all over my body, like just very strange things started to happen. And... Uh, it, it, it just kind of led to a spiral after the fact. So that's what I talk about with emotional recovery. It was a good two years, I think, mm -hmm. where I was struggling. And eventually I, I just had to, I had to make the tough decision to get myself some help where I, I was being let down by therapists and doctors who, um, because I was an advocate already, because I was volunteering for mental health organizations, they just thought it was nothing. But I, but I knew myself, I knew something was seriously wrong. And I just Felt like people weren't taking me seriously. How did you deal with this OCD, depression, anxiety that you experienced? How did you really deal, tackle it? I think 
I, I wasn't able to deal successfully when I didn't have the right care. Um, I eventually ended up going uh, when I had very bad suicidal thoughts. Uh, uh, I mean, I feel totally comfortable talking about it now, but it, I had to go to the, the emergency room. I felt so scared that I was going to do something bad um, because of how bad the suicidal thoughts were and the different medications that doctors had given me that just weren't the right medications that it eventually took me going to a hospital to get set up with a doctor who finally listened to me, a psychiatrist. And when she heard my story and heard all my symptoms, she said, well, it's really obvious you deal with OCD. I don't know why you're on this medication. That doesn't even, that makes it worse pretty much. And and she was the first doctor that, that actually treated OCD. And when I got the right kind of medicine, I had been really staunchly anti-medicine, but the right kind of medicine actually did help my intrusive thoughts so much. It helped my anxiety that to this day it still helps. And so, uh, you know, there's there are there are chemical components, there are social components. There, are, uh, I write about this. I, I write about the interconnection of, of mental health. Yeah. But once I finally got the right kind of treatment, I think it just came together um, because that allowed me to calm down and sleep. That allowed me to, to finally just to start feeling better and to do the self care uh, because it wasn't like I wasn't doing self care. I was running. I was meditating. I was doing all these things. I just I. I had such bad anxiety and OCD, it wasn't working. So I wasn't sleeping. Uh, and it, so it took that doctor, I think. Uh, and in a very extreme situation, you hope people don't have to go to the emergency room to get care. But I just, I was being let down by so many different doctors and, and therapists up until that point. Yeah, you had to run to your, to your rescue. Exactly. It's a, and it's, it's, it's a full, one day I'll write a book about this, but it's, it's a strange kind of full circle thing where, you know, I was there for my mom, but I remember the day that I did go to the emergency room, I was in really bad shape and like crying uncontrollably. And my mom said, I think you need you need to go to the emergency room. And I'm glad she was there um, and better at that point to make me do that. So like I helped my mom, she helped me and um, it, it, it worked out. So it's kind of a, a strange full circle kind of moment, yeah. if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. Of course it does. As a mental health advocate that you are, um, can you tell me how to improve my mental health? What do you do? What are the tips? What are the tricks to improve your mental health? Well, that's Toby. That's a big question there. I don't know if I, in two minutes I can tell you that. I think what I would do as a and I think as a social worker, I really solidified this kind of training is to be careful. And I, I try to emphasize this in my in my newsletters as well that there is no like one trick. There's no like one or two tricks that if you do it or if all people do it, they'll feel better. I think it starts with you and knowing yourself really well and kind of, I would start with asking questions. So if I'm helping someone, if I'm consulting or if I'm, uh, if I'm, a, if as a social worker, I don't work in the mental health field anymore actually, uh, but I, I just need to collect information to know what, what's actually going on or where are the issues right now? Are they with your family? Is it, is this a physical issue that we need to rule out? Cause often like if you're having if you have sleep apnea or you have something preventing you from sleeping, you got to get that addressed first. Uh, sleep is so important as we found in my mom's case and my case. Like if you don't have sleep, you're, you're not, you don't have anything. And so I would ask you a lot of questions at first just to see what's going on. Uh, and then really I emphasize the fundamentals. People can get carried away with like, well, maybe if I buy this, this uh, product that will send these soothing smells and things into the air and then I'll be perfect again. That's not exactly it. Uh, I would make sure 
Uh, are you drinking enough water? Are you being active? Do you have any friends around? Uh, it, people are really isolated right now. And I, and I talk with people on Twitter how much they're struggling. And one of the big components is that they're just not talking with anyone. They're, they're not seeing friends, they're not seeing family, and they're just thinking about everything that's wrong with the world and themselves. And, and that's not a good thing either. So uh, again, it would start with questions and then it would go, kind of go from there. I, I know that's not exactly uh, what, what you're probably hoping to hear, but that's at least my approach. Well, it, it's very fine. From asking questions, you find out um, you know, the point of need that the person has, for example. For example, maybe the person has to just mix up or um, hang out with friends and that way the person can improve on his or her mental health. That's, that's a good answer, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, I think it has to be a solution that works for you. Like you know, you know your life best, and I, uh, I, I constantly get responses in my emails. That I just love where people say, "I feel like you're one of the first people where, well, one, you've been through this. It's really I can tell you you've dealt with these issues, but also you're not like forcing them on me. You're not telling me how it should be. You're telling your story, and then you're just kind of offering it uh, for me to try. But it, it doesn't feel like you're lecturing me. Mm. And so I, I, I'm glad that it, people don't feel like I come across that way in my email. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good that way you feel, you, you feel very, very um, relatable, actually. And that's, that's what makes you special. Oh, th <laughs> thank you. That's what I really, I just try to be honest and authentic and share my story. Mm. And, you know, sometimes people will be offended or they'll think that I share, shared too much. But I've learned that, uh, and that's, I think it was actually a big part of my healing, too, is that once I processed it, you, I, I, I'm, I'm cautious of people. I don't, I, I try to tell people, if you're still processing something, maybe you shouldn't be writing and posting about it because if someone leaves a negative comment and you're not coming to terms with it, you could be triggered by that. You might be really upset. Um, but once I had been through it, I found it really healthy and cathartic to just start writing my story and sharing it online uh, and not really caring what people thought, but just doing it for myself. And that was a big part of my my healing journey. Ninety nine percent of the the comments are positive, uh, but every once in a while you get someone on Twitter or somewhere else who has a really negative stance, or maybe they're dealing with mental health issues, so they're not able to see clearly. Yeah. Uh, but if you process it, I think it's, it's healthy to share your story, mm. kind of like you're doing here. You're sharing people's stories. Of course, yes. And talking about um, sharing people's story and talking about mental health. Um, from what I have read so far, from the reviews and rating, your mental health and poetry book is amazing. Um, can you read some of the poems to me and maybe share the inspiration behind them, you know, just for us to know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, so I know I, I had the email saved in case I can't remember the exact ones here. But the and if I know I, I listed four, so if we don't have time for four, I get that too. But I, I, I chose some, and I got the book right here, In Search of Happiness. Yes. I'm, I'm not even heavily promoting it. People like you are just kind of finding it on their uh, <laughs> own. Uh, but I've gotten great feedback on yeah. it. And so I minimize this tab so I can go in order of the, the poems. But the first one, and I tried to pick four that were representative of the four different sections. Mm. Uh, the, I broke my book up into four sections. It goes, anxiety is the first, society is the second, healing is a third and then it ends with one called meaning and i intentionally did that it's kind of to follow my own journey mm. and, and, and it's not like i'm oversharing and this is all specific details about my life i think what people like about this is that i leave enough it's, it's general enough so that people can fill in the blanks of their own life if that makes sense yeah. uh, that's kind of how i like to write too so the, this first one is called call call and response it's the end the last poem in that anxiety section so flip to that one now 
And, and yeah, so this is new for me. I don't really, I don't do, I'm a writer, so I don't, I like public speaking, but I've never done like uh, spoken poetry, so you'll have to give me feedback. Uh, see how this goes. Okay. Okay, call and response. Do you remember the time I asked you if you missed me? The way my words fell like leaden petals and stayed there, refusing to die. Were you there when I asked you if being, like, being alone is different from being lonely? Your lack of response carved the air, marked with negation. Will you hear the words I'm about to speak? Or will they pass through you on their way back to me as weary, forgotten echoes? Hmm. So, that, so that's the first one. So what made you write this? Whose word fell it's, on, uh, on, 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 whose word fell on um, leaden petals? <laughs> <laughs> it, so it's interesting because... It's hard to even describe my writing process. So much of it comes naturally for me. I'm able, actually able to write these pretty quickly. When I, if I have a poem, if I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm writing, I can actually... It's amazing to think some of these came out maybe in one minute. And it was like, oh, that's good. I like that. I'm just going to leave it like that. Uh, but I think call and response, at least, this is part of uh, one of those in the, earlier in my journey where, like, I don't know what's going on. Is anyone out there? Does anyone feel like I'm feeling... Like, what? It, does, does anyone get this? And I think when you're really struggling, you do feel like you're the only one experiencing it sometimes. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, yeah. but uh, I, where you're like, especially if you have really intense anxiety or I'm stuck in a mirror picking my skin because of OCD, uh, skin picking issues, that uh, it's just like, I'm the most, I'm the biggest idiot. I can't believe I'm doing this. But then you you write your you write your story and people are like, you described it exactly. I can't believe someone else. <laughs> I've, I've often found like the most private details I shared are the ones that are the most relatable. And so I just kind of kind of had to remember that. And you asked about the leaden petals. I, you know, I, I just liked how that sound. I write as much for how things sound and how words fit together as as for like what the actual words are. Yeah. Um, it's almost musical to me. Like I just like uh, I've I kind of have a, a sense of when a sentence doesn't sound right. Like it's not in a, ry a rhythmic kind of uh, um, tone, if that makes any yes. sense. And so. You, you almost get your own meaning from it too. So certainly there's there's meaning that I created, but I, the people I like it when people come up with their own meaning too. I think that's the power of poetry and and essays. Yeah. And you asked this question. Um, do you remember the the time I asked you if you missed me? Who was that? Mm -hmm. who, who did you ask that question? You know, it. Some of these, I, you might be saying. Oh, well, it's got to be about like a girlfriend or a wife or a partner and, and not necessarily. I do. Uh, so some of it I'm in like thinking that there are a few love poems. Like I don't really do love poems and I'm thinking of maybe my wife or like some of the when we first started dating. Um, but I so much I don't even realize I'm doing this. People often tell me that I'm doing this. I kind of talk out loud a lot. So I'm in the office or if I'm working on something, I'll say something out loud. Yeah. I'm like, what? What was that, Jordan? Like, what are you? And I was like, oh, I, I didn't even realize I said something. I'm sorry. Like, so I've realized as I've gotten older that I actually make sense of my world by asking questions constantly. So uh, whether it's in my head or out loud, I see something and I'm always and, and now I know I do this, but I was like, oh, I wonder how that got there or what was that? Or I wonder I'm just constantly asking myself questions. Uh, and my my parents tell me I've always been curious, like they couldn't even go on walks with me because I would stop at every like sewer grate and want need to look down to see what was in there and. <laughs> They just hated going on walks <laughs> with me. Um, but uh, so I don't think in this one, I was, it, it wasn't anyone in particular. Mm. It was honestly kind of a, like a, a universe type thing. Uh, just like, is anyone out there? Yeah. 
Oh, nice. Okay. And the, yeah. the next one that is on the list is, um, I think it's Chinks in My Armor. Or is... Chinks in My yes, Armor. Let's yes, find that one. Yes. So, so it was, I'm looking for it, page 48. Yeah, it's under the section Healing. So these start to change in tone and how they group them, where I'm starting to do better. Mm. It's a little more uplifting. It's not as confused, I would say. All right, so this is slightly longer, but Chinks in My Armor. Uh, it goes like this, three different stanzas. Love is not what I wanted, but what I needed. It's not a rainbow, but a rainbow. Angling waterfalls to cover me with what I can't escape. I thought I could name it. Now I know to name is to limit it, is to dismiss it, is to render it powerless. Love is least expected when it's most needed. Try to force it and it shrinks. Try to grab it and it recoils. Try to live it and it pales, but give up trying and love seeps into the cracks, growing flowers through the chinks of my armor. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you like that? Yes, I, 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 I love can't. it. I mean, it's just like, let's go and it's just, just going to happen if it's going to happen. That's what I understood from it. Like, what, what, was, the, what was the last thing you said I missed? I said, um, it's just, what I understood from it is like, just to let go and love will happen oh, when it's yeah. going to happen. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a big, that's a big part. Yes. I, I love that. That was what you got from that. That's see, <laughs> see, this is why I love just sharing stuff like this, because, um, a big part of me growing up was thinking I was so anxious. And I thought that the way to be, I thought everyone had a million thoughts in their head all the time. And I grew up and I learned not everyone always has a running commentary in their head. Uh, and so going from high school into college into like where I am now, I'm 33 now, is that I don't have all those thoughts in my head. I have learned through meditation and through different things and proper self-care that going with the flow is really powerful. And you you can't control everything with your thoughts and with thinking through everything. Uh, sometimes you, you just have to let it happen. You, you just can't think through everything. There's a time for thinking and planning and there's a time for just for being. And so I, I've gotten more to that being kind of place in my life and i think it's a much better way to to be to use that word yes again. yes so the next one i'm so excited <laughs> when symptoms are behaviors could you wait, on, on what section is that <laughs> it is might still be in the healing section uh i think it is yeah page 72 but you'll see that these so i don't think i picked anyone in anything from the society like i do have social commentaries but this is kind of uh social commentary in a way so it's a little more you kind of get the meaning of it if, if you know what i'm talking about yeah. all right so when symptoms are behaviors when symptoms are behaviors confusion reigns supreme in the kingdom of prejudgment fear takes hold a bone is innocuous a muscle equally harmless blood borders on fear but can be easily managed but an action, a comment, a stance, that's offensive. Stigma, a word that's often used but not understood. Because behaviors are symptoms, and people become symptoms, become diagnoses, become something to box up and ship out, because packages can be understood and easily controlled. But healing can't happen in a box. Boxes are for objects, and people aren't objects. When symptoms are behaviors, it's easy to get confused and box people up into a gift that never gets opened. Hmm. Wow. Healing cannot happen in a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. No, I like that. I like rereading because I forget what I've written sometimes. Yeah. And I remember putting this book together and knew that I had something because I was like, wow, that gave me goosebumps. Did I write that? I can't. <laughs> 
So, uh, Wait. yeah, I just, it, it, yeah, go ahead. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on. I mean, this is it's it's, it's quite reflective because you know, this podcast is called um, Mirror Talk, and reading really mm-hmm. something like this helps me to reflect or helps people to reflect. Actually, when you say alien cannot. Healing cannot, cannot happen in a box. You can say, okay, these are the tips, these are the tricks for you to improve your mental health, for example. It's, it doesn't right. come in a package. Right. It doesn't come like, okay, these are step one, these are the steps to improve your mental health. It um, depends on individual to get the kind of healing that you need. Yeah, I, I, I when I was studying different kinds of approaches uh, in, in to, to, to therapy and that kind of thing, the one that I thought made the most sense, other than existential, I'm a big and I read a lot about existentialism, is the person-centered approach. Mm. I really think it has to start, and that was Carl Rogers who came up with that. I, I think it has to start with the person. You, you, you have – I, I just got frustrated working in the mental health field because there were professionals who – they were all about just showing how much they knew and the different techniques. And they'd walk into a room with like a family meeting or therapy mm-hmm. and just start almost performing and telling them how it was supposed to be. Who is this person who who's coming in here telling us to like walk through this little imagery technique and they don't know anything about us yet. Mm-hmm. It, it was very, very strange. And I've had therapists do that to me too. And a lot of the time you can just, you don't even need to do anything. Just be there with the person. I've worked in a mental health hospital and I had the most powerful moments just sitting with a person saying nothing. Mm-hmm. And just your your mere presence, I think, can sometimes be enough. And so you got to see what the you got to see what the person resonates with first. And sometimes a technique is good. But how are you going to know the right technique if you don't get to know the person's story first? Yeah. So what I want to do now is. I first, you first have to understand the person, understand his or her pain, understand what he or, he or um, she is going through. Then that way you can design mm-hmm. or you can know how to help in one way or the other. And not just say, okay, right. you are going, you're having an headache. Okay, then take this medication or take this or do this or do that. It doesn't work all the way. Right. That's yeah, yeah, the very Western me- medicine approach. Whereas if you talk with that person, maybe you would realize... Oh, the headaches or tension headaches. Oh, they're really tense because their mother's sick and they're worrying about it all the time. Like, you just don't know what's going on. You can't just say, well, take this medicine. Um, the headaches could keep coming back if you don't address the root cause. Mm. And that and that's what I'm all about. As like, let's, it seems sometimes like I'm wasting time. I'm asking too many questions, but I ask questions because I, I really want to know what's truly going on underneath the surface. Yeah. And um, picking from um, asking a lot of questions, the next poem is Ask Me a Question. <laughs> oh, yes. The perfect, so, yes. nice, perfect segue. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, you're, you're good. You're, you, 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 you're one of the better. I like that uh, your podcast is good because you did, you did your research. Like you knew, you even knew kind of what years happened in my life. That's great. But you're, you pay attention really well. And I feel like you do good active listening. So. Thank you. <laughs> excellent, excellent segue. Thank you. Kudos yeah. to you. All right. All right, page 100. Last one here. Poem for... So this one's called Ask Me a Question. And I think it... I didn't even mean for this to happen, but I think it kind of ties into the first one, call and response. Yeah, it even has the words call and response. Mm. All right. So it was meant to be. Ask me a question. They say the best answers come from the greatest questions, but who are they? And why do they say that? I say, I trust what I know. I see the answers in my own questions. I feel my senses plucking strings in the universe, sending the vibrations down my spine, connecting me back to the reverberating source, the pool from which my questions emerge. 
If I asked you a question, would you know the answer? You'd know what you know, but how would you find out more? Through questions, thought beacons, searching for the answers, through murky depths and scintillating skylines, they are all the same, a mere backdrop for the dance of question and answer, call and response, of to and fro. Ask me a question, and hear the roar of my I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's almost like a... I say it in a way where normally you would think of, I like to end my poems in just like a thought provoking way. Normally you'd say, I don't know. And at least in American culture, that's seen as weakness. Mm. But I have learned through reading like Eastern wisdom, especially Buddhist writings that, you know, you, you don't have, sometimes you just don't have to know. Like uh, maybe the goal is to, to have this kind of inner sense of knowing, yes. but I think it, it's, it's, uh, it can be a sign of strength when you say, I don't know. Mm. Like, I'm going to go keep searching for that answer. But I, I don't love when people pretend like they know everything. Like I told you before, <laughs> yeah. the therapist who is like, oh, I have the answer to all your problems right here in my box of tricks. Mm. And that's just not it. That's not life. Yeah. It's not realistic. Mm. So it is okay not to know. I think not only is it okay, it's it's healthy. Uh, um, it's, it's saying, because another thing that really bothered me, and you find this all the time in the mental health system, is that... People will say, oh, I've seen this before. I've, se I've seen everything that could possibly happen. Nothing surprises me anymore. It's like, and, and I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. you, you, if you think you've seen everything, then you probably shouldn't be a therapist. Because <laughs> uh, the, the best part of me working with people is I got to learn something every yes. day. I got to learn about different cultures, different stories. Uh, that's why I like writing, because I'm, I don't know, have all the answers. I'm going to learn about something that either you tell me or like a, a reader tells me in response to it. Mm. That, I think that is such a healthier way to be. We just always be curious. Yeah. Yes. So talking about talking about asking questions, um, I was going through your blog, um, thementalhealthupdate.com, and uh, in a section of personal growth, you you, you said um, sometimes you know you, you tell yourself nobody understands me, nobody understands me, right? But you 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 in in, in this blog post you wrote that okay. When you, say, when you think that nobody understands you, you should ask yourself three questions. Um, the first one is, <laughs> why do I need others to understand me? No, but the second one is, um, what if <laughs> nobody ever understands me? And the third one is, right. do I even understand myself? <laughs> so um, right. and I'm asking you these questions. Can you like, give me answers to these questions? Like, how should I process these questions in my head? And um, do you have answers to them or you don't know? <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I don't know. That's your another question. How should you process them? I think that's part of the thing is that <laughs> you read this mm -hmm. and I, I don't know what's going to happen for you. I don't know what the kind of answers you'll think of. But what I know from the people who get back to me is like, I've never thought of it that way. Just asking that question made me think of something else. And now I have a different answer. Mm -hmm. and, and so I want to be very careful. And this is just this is just who I am. This is this is my writing. I guess this is why people feel like I'm different in my writing is that I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do. This is not a 10 step uh, how to guide that if you follow it, you're going to be happy forever. You I think what I'm trying to get people to do is think for themselves that if you get in, if you get in the, the mindset that, um, oh, there are different questions I can ask. Maybe if I go about it another way, I can find an answer. There is hope. Uh, th that's that's what I got out of it. Yeah. Um, I I never got onto a path of healing by therapists who said do this exactly. They got me there. The ones that really worked were who had me put in the work to figure it out in my own way. Mm. 
if I, if I find joy in the learning process, uh, I think that is just that is a healthy way to be. My writing, uh, my creative pursuits, that that's just a journey of always learning. So, yeah, I, I think in that post that you're talking about, I, I I'm encouraging the readers to think about it for themselves and to just be curious with what comes up with. Like, this is not a judgment zone. I'm not telling you that you should or shouldn't think that way because so much of mental health, um, one of the things that I talk about with people a lot and, and it was, I struggled with it is that I thought I was a bad person for having certain thoughts. This is especially common with OCD, but there are, there no, we're humans. We, we have strange thoughts all the time. It's kind of part of being human. And I want to write to show people that that it did whatever you're going through. Uh, it's I, I'm I'm certain someone else has gone through the same thing mm-hmm. and had those strange thoughts. So uh, at least we're better off if we talk about it and, and we can ask these questions together. Yes, I think that's more what I was going for than anything. Yeah. So um, there's this question I dropped in my mind right now from what you are saying. Um, you you writing and um, expressing your thoughts, sharing your story. How has that helped you in your journey of, you know, of self-growth or your, your journey of improvement? I, I think one thing to start is that I like the process. So, so some people are not going to like writing. Like, that's just not the way they express themselves. So that's why I don't want to say, we'll just write and journal and be like me and you'll be happy. Um, first, I, it, I'm very verbal. I so... And I didn't actually read this until I, I read a lot. I reread, I read probably 50 to 80 books a year. And one that I read, one thing I came across was that not everyone can visualize images in their head. And I can't. And I thought, but I didn't know that it was actually a thing. I thought that maybe, okay, I can kind of just use the words to describe what I'm seeing in my head, but I don't actually visualize anything. Like I actually process through word. Like I told you, I ask questions as I'm walking around. And so it's, I've noticed that writing helps me make sense of my world. Like I kind of need that to, to learn and to grow. So the, if I'm doing it in my head all the time, Mm -hmm. that's causes anxiety. But when I can write it, it actually helps me process things. So I don't really feel blogging and tweeting is is work it's just kind of a natural way of expressing myself but to get to your part of like how it's helped me i think after that is i can kind of see i can see what's important to me i can see how my thoughts have changed over time by looking at my poems and looking at my blogs over time i can see how they've evolved so it's it's almost like a it's not a journal but like putting down my memoir in a little bit like where have i come from where am i going it's it's just a way of documenting my own story. Hmm. Oh, that's great. So, um, can you give me, you know, more tips on how to master my personal growth? Like, for example, for you, from 2009, from your the from the crisis your mother went through, for example, to 2012, when you went through the same crisis, mental health crisis, up to this moment, I'm sure you you've improved or you've grown personally. So, um, do yeah. you have do you have tips on how um, on how one should master or how you mastered your your personal growth so far? What have you been doing, consciously doing or intentionally doing to improve yourself? To master my own personal yes. growth. I think having having balance in your life, you got to find a way to get to balance because I, 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 I couldn't get onto this path until I was totally healthy and sleeping. So I think it starts going back to the fundamentals. You need to be in a place where you can do this work, where you're not just constantly stressed out 
And I think first it looks at you. Are you physically doing all right? Are you sleeping enough? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating food that makes you feel good? Or do you, are you constantly in pain? If, if, if you have physical issues and they teach us this in social work in graduate school too, that you got to rule out any physical issues first. It's like, it's like the, the, I would tell someone in what you say with the, the headache thing, mm. like, what's going on if you if you have a headache that's it's totally derailing your whole day we got to address that um it's just sometimes the way you address that you need to ask questions to see if it's maybe a sleep issue or a relationship issue um so look at the most basic things first that's what i would recommend and then try to work in uh, i would say the key components are like biological physical social uh, psychological, and then maybe spiritual, whatever that means to you. I, I would consider myself becoming more and more spiritual. Uh, you start to see connections, um, but I was definitely not at that point 10 years ago. I was stuck in my head and just, you know, worried about stupid stuff. Um, but I think you have to work on those four different areas. And so there, I could go on and on and maybe suggest different things, but I, I, I guess I'm curious, are there areas of those four that you would like me to touch on especially? Yeah, for example, um, the spiritual and the physical parts. So, so f- the physical one is, is pretty easy. I figure figured out what works for me. I, I think it's a, being in touch with your body. Uh, that started with a lot of meditation was the first thing. And I think I first got started doing that regularly using the Headspace app. That was the first thing that got me to do it. Now I just like doing it. But Headspace was the what got me to like actually learn some techniques and then use the app. And I had a free a plan. I think someone got me a deal. So I was using it for about a year, just going through different things. But but meditation and slowing down enough so you can, whatever that means to you, just whether that's just focusing on your breathing, whether it's just sitting silently for a while, you you have to get to a place where you're in tune with, with your body. Um, I guess I didn't realize until I started meditating, I couldn't even sense what was wrong with my body. It sounds so stupid now, but I didn't even know like when I was tense. I didn't know when my I was stressing my, my neck or tensing my shoulders. That's where I carry a lot of... Um, my, my stress now, but I, I couldn't even tell until I slowed down enough to realize, wow, like my back is really tense, I guess. Yeah. And so starting there, spiritually is, is tough. That's, that can mean anything to uh, any, any person. Yeah. But some things that have worked for me are reading constantly. I am always coming up to, with ideas that resonate, uh, spending time around good people who, who challenge you and push you to grow mm-hmm. and who are very wise themselves like I like I feel a really strong connection with you I've never met you but I, I, I feel like you must be some kind of spiritual person a little bit because you just get good you're attuned to what's going on like I could just tell that and for whatever reason um I have met some people in my life and it happens to be like in indigenous people people who've lived in a certain area for a long time and I remember this I actually went to Africa for a summer and met some phenomenal people who uh, I was in college and th- th- who they really influenced me to kind of trust myself. And then um, especially people in like Native Americans or uh, I-, I worked on the Blackfeet Reservation in northern Montana and I just met someone there who was like twice my age, but I felt like he was my brother and we just oh. got along so well and he-, he-, he taught me so much. And so there's the- this quote like you're the combination of the five people you spend the most time with mm-hmm. so i really try to spend my time with people who are kind but are cl- clearly they are they're they're well read they've listened to others they've collected wisdom from lots of varied sources um, i think that's important yes uh, uh, 
And so th those are two things to start with. And then from there, just being open to whatever happens. Uh, it's, if something happens that you can't explain, don't just write it off. It's just, well, that's ridiculous. Like, I don't, I'm not going to believe that. Just kind of notice those strange patterns and be curious. Hmm. I love that. Be curious and be open to whatever happens. Whatever happens. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, don't don't judge it. Don't uh, they, they, in Buddhism, they just they, they'll say just don't judge. Get away from your ego. Just kind of be open to whatever. Um, you'll, you'll start noticing more things that way. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> so yeah, of course. So, I hope it helps. Um, is, is there any other thing you would love to talk about? And um, maybe something that I did not mention or something I did not ask. Something you are passionate about? Um, you know, in relation, in relation to mental health or personal growth. And that you love to talk about, for example, um, I didn't ask you about your OCD. I I didn't I didn't want to like go into that area, but maybe you could talk to me about how you you know how you dealt with OCD up to this moment. Has it improved? Oh, OCD. Or is it the same way? No, I think it definitely has improved. It was hard for me to talk about because it, it seems so silly and it seemed embarrassing. But the the issue, what is a telltale sign of OCD is that you know it's stupid. Like, you know it's something you shouldn't be spending your time doing, but you just can't stop doing it. And so for me, OCD is primarily the intrusive thoughts. Like, because you can have OCD where you're maybe, you're touching a doorknob or you're, you're making checking to make sure the oven's off. But for me, starting, I would think in middle school, is I had always had these weird thoughts pop in my head. Like, I'd have thoughts that I was going to do something really stupid all of a sudden in class. Like, I thought... I could see myself jumping up and like swearing at a teacher. I just knew I was going to flip a desk and do that. <laughs> yeah. But of course it never happened. I just thought I was going to do it all the time. Mm. Uh, so that's one example. Uh, but then I guess the physical checking, because checking behavior is very common with OCD, like checking to see if uh, the stove is on or checking driving back because you thought you hit something and you just had to check. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like, I guess, kind of with my skin uh, and with my when my anxiety got really bad and I wasn't sleeping, I, I like just thought I would ha like have like different like growths or like acne or something. And I just had to check, go check, go to the mirror to check it. Uh, and so I would waste a lot of time doing that. I don't do it as much anymore, but it's still there. Like it's still part of my brain chemistry. And I would say the, the medicine I take has been great for that. Like for the intrusive thoughts and for checking, like it, it's definitely not as strong as it was. But also, I had to learn to accept myself. I had to learn, you know, this is going to happen. It's just part of who I am. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means that my brain is kind of wired this way. Yeah. And then for a lot of things, it is good. Like, I'm very detail-oriented. Uh, I can manage projects and make sure everything is checked off. And mm -hmm. so there are strengths. I, I write about mental health being on a spectrum. Like, there are good things, but you just, you just don't want to get it too far in any one direction. Yeah. Like, if you're... If you're checking so much that you're slowing every project down because you can't move forward, that's not good. But if you're able to keep it in check and to use the same word again and <laughs> and, and really drive the project forward yeah. and and empower people, then then that can be good. So you just got to you got to be balanced and know when you get you're becoming imbalanced. Mm. You have to balance everything up. Yes. Yes. Yep. Life of balance, I think. Yeah, life and balance. I like that. <laughs> and so I would, I guess, encourage your your listeners to to check out my, and yeah, I'm sure you'll put it in the, sh the show notes too, mm. my, my uh, newsletter especially. It's at newsletter.thementalhealthupdate.com. That's the best way to sign up and see old issues. But I, can I intend to do that for a long time. I started off writing a 
an email a day for a lo long time for months. It's now three times a week and I plan to do that going forward for as long as I can do it. I would definitely check that out and see if that resonates with you. And then I think the last thing I would say is to try not to be so hard on yourself. <laughs> uh, I, I still am. I'm very hard on myself. I have high standards. Um, that's, but, and, it, and it's good in a lot of ways, I think, because I'm very driven and I want to accomplish a lot and I want to help other people. Uh, you got to learn to channel it that way. But don't be hard on yourself if you if you are having symptoms of mental illness is a symptom you would never you would never get mad at your um if you broke your leg it's like oh come on leg i can't believe you broke yourself and like you wouldn't just keep talking about your leg like yeah. that but we do that all the time for mental health issues and so uh remember that other people are going through this that you're not alone you you there are others you can find uh, try to remember that and, and reach out for help just try to talk to someone about it. Don't put all this pressure on yourself. Uh, it's really not worth it. This is the this is the one life you get to live, and we tr try to do the best. Like you, I'm sure you're doing the best with what you have. But uh, uh, just don't don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. So um, you know, in, in such in such of happiness, um, mm -hmm. how has that journey been? <laughs> Are you still searching for happiness? Have you found happiness? <laughs> um, what, what, what was it like to you now? Reflecting on, on that journey, reflecting on, on the whole, um, the whole uh, process. I know. How has it been? Good, Have you found more happiness? Question. Yeah, good question. I like how you fit my, you did my job for me, fitting my book title in, uh, In Search of Happiness. I think, and I'm going to give you another answer that's, that's a really vague answer that might not give you, I, I think that's the whole point. I, I, I don't know if there's ever going to be one end point. I'm definitely happier, I would say, than I was when I was in high school and college and so anxious. Um, but I think it's it's always a journey. And I think as long as I'm open to that, I'll be okay. Um, I intentionally named it that, I think, because it is always a process. Uh, I think you, you, as long as you realize that life is a journey, and you're always searching for new things, whether it's happiness or something else, uh, you'll you'll be okay. Is when I see a lot of people get stuck up. It's like I asked, I just asked actually, I tweeted, I said, "Are you happy? What does happiness mean to you?" And a lot of people said, "Well, I have this very specific idea, and I'm not there yet, so I'm not happy." I was like, "Well, you may never get." Uh, I think expectations are just premeditated resentment. A uh, wise mentor once told me that one time. I think I think it's right. I think. If I think my life needs to be a certain way, I'm just setting myself up for failure because I don't know what's going to happen in five years. I didn't expect to be on this this podcast three months ago. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it, you just kind of be you you have to be open to whatever happens. Yes. And sure, sure, you set goals and sure there are things you want to do and you can work towards that. But you have to be flexible. Mm -hmm. Life does not work out the way you, you plan it. And so I'm trying to be in more in that being searching mode, not the like planning anxious mode. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's awesome! Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> and as as you've mentioned, as you've mentioned, I'm going to um, place the information about your um, new newsletter, for example, your Twitter handle. Very very important because you tweet every day <laughs> about mental health. I try to. I, I haven't done it as much. I don't. Uh, there was a time where I was really trying to build up a following just to see if I could do it because I was curious to see if I could mm. do it. Uh, but now I tweet just. Um, I I try to keep it in balance because 
with my obsessive personality is very easy to get carried away and like focus on how many retweets I get. Yeah. But that's not the point. The point is to to meet people like you. That like that's why I returned to Twitter because uh, I really enjoy sharing my thoughts and seeing what other people think of them. So as long as I keep that in mind, I don't focus on the numbers. Mm. It'll be good. Yes, yes. Please make sure you tweet every day. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, I will. I'll do at least once, but uh, I, I'm not going to tweet as much as I used to, unless there's something uh, that I really am trying to do intentionally on Twitter. Okay, that's that's also good. That's very good. So I'm going to place the information of your um, newsletter. That's newsletter.themetalhealthupdate.com, and um, also yep. other information to your um. The Amazon link to your book and your ebook also in the show, show notes so that everyone should um, get the book and read it and go through the poetry and go through the journey of um, searching for happiness with you also. Yeah. And for themselves too, like they can follow my journey and get some my story in there. But uh, I, I hope it encourages people to, to look at their own life in a different way and maybe think about their own journey in a different way. Mm. And so I think that's the whole point. Yes. Yes. Wow, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for sharing so much word of knowledge with me. I really appreciate this. You're you're welcome. Thanks for what you're doing here. This is you you're doing a fantastic job and I I'm just so I'm grateful that you wanted me to be on your show. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I am eternally grateful for your time, your love and contributions. You mean a lot to me. Thank you once again for listening and sharing with your loved ones. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this journey on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms in the description. Stay blessed.